Welcome to the Outsiders Podcast. As promised, we are back second time in, in two weeks. Back to back. And uh, we're excited to be here. I'm, I'm Tyler France, co-host. We're going to go back to back to back to back. And we are. We are. Uh, Lord willing. Because, yes. you know, things happen. Obviously, but. obviously yes. <laughs> I'm Neil Salmon. You are Neil Salmon. I am. I am. Well, uh, Tyler, we're going to get started in this episode um, talking about kind of a downer. But um, yeah. it'll pick up. But uh, I don't know if many of you have heard about what happened to a 22-year-old black man named Amir Locke. He was killed the morning of February 2nd when Mm -hmm. Minneapolis police were executing a no-knock warrant. Um, They were doing a murder investigation, actually. And so they they went to the home where two teenage suspects they thought were going to be. And uh, I think it was like 2 o'clock in the morning. They... um, kick open the door. Mm-hmm. They did announce themselves. Right. Um, but Amir was laying on the couch. Mm-hmm. Um, his family said he was always, had always been a deep sleeper. He was laying on the couch, right. covered up in a blanket yep. and police kick the couch and yell something at him. And he, when he pulls the blanket back, he has his registered right. licensed gun in his hand. Right. And they shot and killed him three times. He was not on the warrant. They weren't looking for him. He had nothing to do with this. Yep. Um, and he he died. Yeah. And so there's already Tragic. been uh, protests in Minneapolis, right. um, and, and it's caused a, a a much larger conversation, kind of like the Breonna Taylor thing did, yeah. a much larger conversation about no knock no warrants, warrants. Yeah. Uh, in general, mm-hmm. because you come into a home, you don't know who's in there, right? And so you come into the home. Um, looking for somebody, there's somebody else. Yeah. That other person gets killed. Yeah, you can't identify right who, who is who. Right, and you don't. Know. And you know, you can imagine, and I don't know all the details of this, but if I'm a registered gun owner and I'm laying in my bed or on my couch and I'm asleep, yeah, and people are kicking my couch, yeah. Waking me out of my sleep. I would probably have a gun on me. <laughs> well, I, th- I think, you know, I think it's a burglar. I think it's somebody yeah. that's broken into my home. Right. Um, now, I don't know his heart and his mind or his right. intentions, but from the outset. And we're not speaking to that. We don't know. But we he, know, you know, but... we know we know that that gun was licensed to him. Yep. He had a concealed license. He had every right to have gun, it. Right. Yep. Every right to have that gun. Mm-hmm. And um, so, again, just a tragic. And he was at his home. Like he. <laughs> yeah, just a tragic, tragic. Yeah. Um, Incident and there's been peaceful protest up in Minneapolis. There, right. his family has spoken to the media multiple times, and of course, this will go through the process of the law, and we'll we'll see what happens. But it it's just again, and the, the video dropped today. Yeah, and there was um, yeah the original the video, cam. and then yeah now the police cam videos and yeah. stuff. But it's just it's just a reminder of how broken this world is. Yeah, you know, it's just a reminder of how desperately we need Jesus to come back. Right. Um, Cause things like this should not happen. Yeah. And um, how important it is to be um, kingdom minded here. Right. You know? Yeah. And, and so it's just heartbreaking. You've got, you know, another young black man yeah. has been shot and killed by police and, um, and it really is tragic and yeah. sad and, and heartbreaking um, so we'll we'll maybe be able to keep you updated as the thing goes along with with this case, and we're not you know coming on here trying to make pre you know pre early judgments about yeah. everything. We want to let 
everything play out and see right. what all the facts were and all that kind of stuff. But um, what we do know is that a 22-year-old black man was shot and killed by police. And that's tragic. And that is tragic, yeah. um, no matter what. But, um, but Jesus is coming back. Oh, yeah. That is a fact. Yeah. Jesus is coming back. And when he does, things like this will never happen again. Yeah. And as we mentioned last week, when Jesus comes back, there will be racial diversity and mm. representation in a, in, on this earth mm-hmm. like we have never seen before. It yeah. will be perfect. Yeah. And as we said last week as well, since that is the case, we want to push toward that. Yeah. And we want to push toward that in all areas of life, which include what we're talking about today, yeah. which is racial representation and diversity in film and television. So yeah. we're going to get into it. It's going to be, a, I think, a fun discussion, and it's going to be an uplifting discussion today. So let's get it. So as we talked about, uh, I would say last week, it was, yeah, it was last week. Uh, correct representation matters. So from the beginning, black films have been used to challenge stereotypes of race, uh, tell great stories of Mm -hmm. triumph and perseverance and create, uh, classic laughs that have been known to push the comedy genre forward and and pretty much every genre forward. Uh, I, I, I think it's true in my life. I think the hardest times I've ever laughed before. Yeah is when I was laughing at a black yeah. inspired movie. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? I just, yeah. the greatest laughs I've ever had. Yeah, most definitely. And black comedians. Oh my gosh. The best. Oh my gosh. Uh, but let, let's take it back to the early 1900s. Uh, films and movies at the time were, were wild, man. They, yeah. they Not only did they rarely have uh, black representation in them, but the representation that was shown was always negative, mm. or it was designed to show that white people are superior. Yeah. Um, so early black appearances in film mostly consisted of them being criminals, slaves, servants, uh, or ignorant clown type roles, right. where they are just um, you know no brains in their in their right. head, and they're yeah. just. Um, but around 1915, there was a film classification birth known as race films. And uh, these were a means of, of kind of combating the Jim Crow South. And, you know, if you don't know about the Jim Crow um, laws and things like that, we talk about that in, in our other podcast right. episodes. Segregation and, laws, yeah. Yeah, check them out. Um, separate but equal. So this, this, so this was but, a, an entire category of film called race films race films yeah all right yeah yeah race films race movies uh and so these combat these stereotypes so they were made just to do that right in the early 1900s wow i didn't know that um and so the the genre was geared towards young black americans that had you know it had a lot of political undertones uh Mm. eventually those films were no longer marketable and I'll, i'll let you guess as to why they were no longer marketable right couldn't make money because white people didn't go see them yeah (laughs) wider and broader audiences which would be the white people they they didn't want to see them and so they couldn't make money and they couldn't keep doing it right uh so for many years uh black representation in major movies was again non-existent or negative it it disappeared yeah because that's what sells yeah (laughs) right right yeah um now what did have appeal 
was the white savior complex movies. And I have seen a lot of these. Oh yeah. They're still being made today. Oh, absolutely. Unintentional. I think a lot of times, but yeah, it's because people think, don't think about it. I think they're, I think they're innocent in a lot of ways. Yeah. They seemingly are innocent, but they, they do have a very negative, um, meaning if you, if you dig deep into it. Right. It's like where a black character needs a white person's help right. to become the best that they could ever become. Yeah. Otherwise, like you think about, um, blindside. Yeah. Blindside Sandra, was one of them. Sandra Bullock. Um, and, um, man, what was the one, uh, dangerous minds dangerous with Michelle minds. Pfeiffer. She comes uh -huh. into this, yeah. you know, black school and yeah. this white teacher, Right. Saves the day and fixes right. everything. Uh, overcomes all odds. Yes, overcomes all odds. <laughs> Not the black kids, but the <laughs> right. white teacher. Uh, there were, Hillary was, Swank. Hillary Swank is in like 10 of these movies. She's, she's she in is. all of she them. She is in every single one of these movies, even in the background. She's just there. She's just always in a yeah, white Hillary savior Swank movie. is in, in a movie with black people. She's the, the, It's a white savior right. movie. Well, I know, I know even the, the movie Green Book. Yeah. Got a lot of pushback mm -hmm. um, because Vigo Mortensen played the white character that was basically like the driver, bodyguard, right. kind of the guy that always stood up for the black man and the black man mm -hmm. didn't have the power. The white man had all the power. And right. that, that's really when you talk about white savior complex movies, the issue there is the power dynamic Yeah, where the white person has always the power. Right. And the black person's always the weaker person that the white person needs to bring up to the level that everybody else is already at, should yeah. be at. Yeah. So I think that's why it doesn't play really, really well. That cracks yeah. me up. Hillary Swank. Yeah. Every single every one single of them. One of them. <laughs> every single one of them. Uh, so in 2016, there was a hashtag going around. I don't know if you remember this. I totally do. Mm -hmm. uh, the hashtag was Oscars so white. Yeah. Because for two years in a row, 2015 and 2016, all 20 actors nominated for leading or supporting actor awards were all white. Right. Every in, single one of them. In 2015, 2016. and 2016. Yeah. Not, not 50 years ago. Right. Five. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. this was, this just happened. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And there, and there were black movies. I mean, there were, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, black actors that were in those that movies. That were doing and, their thing. And all those things that were crushing it and I, that I would argue would, would be deserving sure. uh, at least of a nomination. I mean, yeah. I, that's what blew me away. Right. Winners maybe, but nominated. Right. Like, yeah, that's nuts. And, and that hashtag Oscar, uh, Oscar so white was really a, a protest, yeah. right? It was more of like a, a vocal, like we're not, yeah. this isn't right. And we're not going to stand for this. And people boycotted. Yeah. So they boycotted the Oscars, and uh, eventually the Oscars promised to have a more diverse show, which they right. delivered on. And, yeah, if you've watched the Oscars the last three or four years, it is evident that they they got the message. Right. Like, we, we're not going to, you know, let this happen again. Yeah. Yeah, they got the message. And, and if you're wondering, you know, well, why is that important? Like, why... why is nominations important and all that. It's just representation. Right. I mean, that's what it is. It's, it's being seen for your work. Right. Like and just it, like anybody else that wants to be seen for their work and seen, um, for the amazing jobs they do and, and the creative processes absolutely. and things like that. Like that's important that they are acknowledged. I mean, and then what it does is it when young and aspiring, um, or even, even, your peers, when they see you honored for your work and they see 
black representation, it is yeah. inspiring to them to continue on to greatness. Yeah. Right. Cause they're like, okay, they recognize this person. That person should have won. That person should have been nominated. Yeah. Okay. My, my voice will be heard too. My work will be seen as well, yeah. or I can do that as well. And when you don't represent, then what's going to end up happening is you're going to discourage a huge swath of the population. Yeah. I mean, I, I think of people like, like Will Smith who, you know, got his launch, you know, from Fresh Prince. And we'll talk about that a little bit later too. But uh, if that show was not successful, if the, he got no accolades from that show, right. then his whole career oh, yeah. wouldn't have started. Right. Yeah. And nothing like, you know, yeah. the nothing, inspiration never that been comes. And so there is something to be said about that. Absolutely. Even professionally. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so now we have, uh, I just wanted to kind of go over a, f- a few of the movies that are, that are really notable that I've, I've seen and, um, you know, have really cool stories or, or that, that are completely black directors, usually writers, right. uh, for the most part, actors. And Who so are working very, very hard yeah, to man, properly represent black people. No white savior complex. Yeah. Get these views out of here. That, no mm-hmm. caricature, you know, aspect to it Yep, to properly represent, um, the black culture and yep. black issues. Yeah, that's good. Uh, one of them is is uh, director Jordan Peele made his debut, and if you've mm. seen this movie, uh, it's incredible that this is his debut movie. Right, like the layers in this movie. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Jordan I didn't know Peele, he had this in him when I when when out. Key and Peele was on. <laughs> yeah. Like I had no clue. Which Key and Peele's brilliant too. It's, it's just brilliant, but I didn't expect what happened stuff, with Get Out. When Get yeah. Out, I was like, whoa. Yeah. Okay, this dude's on another level. Well, even I mean the social commentary on yes. it, the uh, the way it's done is just perfect. Like yeah. I mean, it's so good. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's a horror movie. It's called Get Out, and it really kind of goes over the it's just covert yeah. racism. Yeah. Like t- just t- uh, it just exposes it, but it also has a very twisted thing to it. Right. We crazy. we've talked about on the uh, show before different kinds of racism and the, right. the covert racism that we've mentioned. That's what this show, this movie really speaks to. Yeah. Um and we I don't want to ruin it for you, but nah. and there's rough language in it just to let you know. Yeah. So catch it on like yeah. TNT or something when it comes on if you There don't. you go. But what what ends up happening is is that this community, this white community is basically using black people as nothing more than their physical right. specimen. Yeah. And that's been a stereotype for a long time that mm-hmm. what the, what the black man has to offer is nothing but his physical right. physicalness. Right. Um, and so that's written into the, the subtext of this whole mm-hmm. story. And uh, man, it's, yeah, it's crazy. That's good. Uh, so coming to America, we got Eddie Murphy mm-hmm. uh, who, who wrote this story, but it's, it's by director John Landis and uh it's it's wonderful as well yeah. and it's a in a story led and developed by Eddie Murphy himself uh this fish out of water tale goes unmatched to this day it's safe to say that one of this movie's core takeaways is how we can't judge people different from us too harshly right uh but it's Eddie Murphy and it's hilarious yeah. and it's because great. he literally comes to America as an african prince right um and he is a yeah. fish out of water like he <laughs> yeah. literally doesn't understand our culture and so yeah. yeah it's it's a it's a movie so much about judgment yeah with hilarity ensuing oh, yeah. constantly with eddie murphy being yeah. eddie murphy yeah constantly um 
Boys in the Hood, mm. which another one with uh, a lot of language. Uh, we we cannot rec- recommend it <laughs> based off of that unless right. you catch it on TV or something. Yeah. But or unless you are um, one that. Or if you that's not your stumbling block or yeah, because whatever. the context of the movie calls for it, then yeah, we get it. But um, and and again, I mean, this is a this is a movie that I've seen and mm-hmm. that uh, it's director John Singleton and I loved Annabelle. Iwegibu, I'm sorry if I butchered that name, but uh, from Harper's Bazaar's website, she wrote something great on John Singleton, and uh, I think it kind of gives you insight on Boys in the Hood. So I want to say, uh, one of John Singleton's greatest strengths as a creator was his ability to translate experiences with an intimate understanding on-screen experiences that his non-black peers might have been tempted to either demonize or sanitize through their gaze. So uh, that's kind of what we were just saying. Like, Boys in the Hood is a raw, unfiltered look at what the hood looks like. Right. Right. Um, and and the it follows these these guys into adulthood, like kids to adulthood, and um, just down and out. I mean, just their conditions, and just uh, it it's just a raw, unfiltered look at, at that kind of life. Mm-hmm. And I, I think um, what it does. I, I think Boys in the Hood, when, we, when, when a white person from the middle class yeah. doesn't have experience in the hood, yeah. it is easy, as you use the word, demonize. Yeah. It is easy to demonize those human beings yeah. in the hood um, as almost less than human. Yeah. Like oh, they're absolutely. a different category. That's what demonizing is, yeah. That they're, a, they're a different category. Mm-hmm. of species mm-hmm. and what this show does is it puts you right next to three human beings yeah and as you watch it you begin understanding a little bit better what yeah. they've gone through right. why they do the things they do yeah. not to excuse any of it but why they right. do the things they do why they live right. the way they live and it provides some empathy yeah for people who would otherwise are so standoff and removed from the issue that they don't actually get mm-hmm. into it. So th- th- this movie, Boys in the Hood, was a game changer. Yeah, it was a game changer in yeah. 1991 right. um, for a lot of people, and it gave a it gave a platform for empathy that yeah. a lot of times just didn't exist. Right. Yeah. Super good. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's another there's another short story uh, movie that actually won uh, Oscar. It's seven minutes long. It's really, really good. And it's called Hair Love. Mm-hmm. Now, I have not seen this. You told me about it, but I have not seen this. Yeah, I actually checked it out. It's, uh, it really is just, it's, it's about a black girl and she, uh, and just her morning routine of, of doing her hair and, and how mm-hmm. hair is kind of a, a thing in, in the black community where, um, it's a lot of times not seen as beautiful. Right. Right. Um, and this is, you wouldn't think based off of that description that you could make a a movie out of that. But I mean, this short movie, it is a tearjerker, man. It it is. And you talk about empathy and you talk about understanding differently than you did before. I mean, this, this movie is that, yeah, I know, I know hair 
female hair in the black community is a, uh, a really big issue. Yeah. Um, because a lot of times in the 60s and 70s, there was this move for black women to make their hair look like white women in order to be accepted at work right. and, and other kind of things. And yeah. so there's actually been this great push yeah. um, over the last 10 years, yeah. really, 20 years, yeah. this huge push for black women to, to be celebrated yeah. for the diversity of their hair yeah. and not to try to make their hair look like something it's not. And, and that's what this movie is. Right. Like, that's what that is. It's a celebration of that. Like, you get to a point where it's frustrating and all those things, and then it, it's just beautiful at the end. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I recommended that. And then Moonlight. Right. So right after uh, the boycott, Moonlight hits. Right. So, um, and, and Moonlight cleaned up at the Oscars. 2017 Oscars, right? I yeah. think it just cleaned uh, house. Yeah, it did. And, and it, it did, man. It, it won everything. Um, and deservingly so. Have you seen this one? Uh, I have not seen this. You haven't seen this no, one? No, okay. I have heard, you know, I mean, I, I watched the Oscars and so I knew, you know, its impact and I knew uh, that it won tons of different stuff, but I had never yeah. really seen. Yeah. I haven't seen the movie, no. Yeah, this one shines uh, for character development. Right. I mean, it, it takes its time with its characters, but in a brilliant way. And doesn't it really, um, like, follow a character from, like, young teenager to yeah. older teenager to, yes, like, young adulthood and just kind of the transition? Yep. Even struggling with his sexuality, struggling with his Everything. relationship with his parents. Yep. It's just, or with his mom. I mm -hmm. think she's, like, a drug addict. And so it just kind of gives, yep. again these biopics, right. even if they're fictional, right. you know, they give you insight into somebody else's life yeah. and hopefully inspiring, uh, more empathy, empathy, empathy. In, absolutely. In us to love, to love people better. Amen. And then, uh, black Panther. Yeah. You can't, you oh can't have my. a list without black Panther. Absolutely not. And we've said a lot about black Panther on this podcast. Um, yep. but it's incredible. If you have not seen it, yep. go see it. And Chadwick one of our favorite Chadwick Boseman, he's yeah. one of our favorites for sure. And, and he's with the Lord now. He is with the Lord. He was a believer. And um, his desire to hide his cancer yeah. when they were promoting this movie. Yeah. I, I've mentioned it before, but his desire to, to hide his cancer so that it didn't become about him. Mm -hmm. Because he knew this character was going to be so important to the black community. Yeah. He never wanted it to be about him. And so he hid his cancer from everybody. Nobody yeah. knew what was going on with right. him. Um, that's how important he thought this movie was going to be. Yeah. And um, and it was. And he he, and he gave <laughs> he gave everything he had to it. And yeah. it has meant more than I think he even probably could have guessed. Absolutely. For the black community. Um, and for what it's going to mean in the future for yeah. the black community and the superhero genre for sure. So, so what's the future look like and what's kind of what we're the present and the future, right? Uh, there's a guy named miles Worthington, who's a brand builder and a marketing genius. And, and he came up with a Netflix initiative called strong black lead. Mm. And this is pushed forward by some powerhouse directors and creatives. Uh, some like Ava, uh, Duvernay Spike Lee, Spike Lee isn't. Yeah. I mean, he is, he has been pushing this forward. And so, um, strong black lead is an initiative that just promises to represent black people authentically. Right. And so it's just kind of rep it's, it understands that, Hey, we have not been represented correctly. And right. so we are going to do something about it. We're going to make sure we're going to make this commitment that the black people are, um, correctly represented. Yeah. And when you, when you get 
a machine like Netflix behind you. Yeah. A lot of content's going to come out. Oh, yeah. You know, when they give Adam Sandler, like, $200 million for six movies. Like, yeah. They got a lot of money they're going to be throwing at this thing. <laughs> right. and, and I just want to encourage people. One of the things that I try to do during Black History Month every single year is I go and I find resources of recommended black movies that websites will recommend and Instagram will recommend or Twitter will, will recommend, hey, here are some movies that are must-watch for Black History Month. And I try to watch a couple of those every single year. Last year I watched uh, three of them. Mm-hmm. And um, so I encourage you to do the same kind of thing. We, we just kind of hit some of some important ones here, but go and, and read up and then do obviously do your due diligence for age appropriate content and that kind of stuff for your yeah, kids and all that. But, um, but it, they'll give you a wide range. I, I, yeah. th- I think um, the Jamar Tisby mm-hmm. and the witness, I think they have a list of movies that um, they encourage uh, you know, audiences to watch during Black History Month. So, hmm. um, so that's part of of what we've done today. We, just a kind of a walkthrough yeah. of a quick a little bit of the history, a little bit of the yeah of the present, here and now, and, and uh, uh, of what has happened in Black film and what we hope to happen in the future. And so, what we want to do next is we want to turn to television, and uh, we got a little a little game for you. I think. Yeah. The Civil Rights Movement, most people think about the Civil Rights Movement as a fight for black people to gain equal rights under federal law. And of course, it certainly was. Mm -hmm. However, the movement of the civil rights was more than a platform for laws. It was a platform that broke down barriers all over the place Mm. and One of the most important ones was blacks in entertainment and television industry. Slavery had been abolished, um, yet discrimination and racism still existed. We've talked about that. And it really still existed in mainstream television. Blacks were continually portrayed, uh, as you said with movies, Tyler, blacks Mm -hmm. were continually portrayed in servant roles in the mainstream TV characters. Mm -hmm. They, They were performing racist characters. Right. It's interesting. I did not know this until I did some research. Television was actually called the citizen machine when it first came out Hmm. because it was a means of controlling America and to show what living in America was like. And so it was largely this space of coordinating America that presented how people wanted its citizens to be seen. Hmm. So this citizen machine had an agenda. Like, how do we want America to be portrayed? And that's what television was. Mm. So if you decided you wanted to paint someone in a positive light, television was the platform to do it. Here's what we want these kind of people to be looking like. Well, if you want to paint someone in a negative picture, if you wanted to paint a black person in a negative light, right. television was the place to do that effectively as well. Mm-hmm. And so stereotypes were created on purpose to present black people in television to the rest of the nation. Mm. And so several popular stereotypes of black men were created. They actually have their roots in media, including the Tom, the Sambo, the Coon, the Brute, the Pickinanny, and the Minstrel. Then you had black women being stereotyped as the mammy figure. Right. 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that was very, very popular. And, and so what happened was these stereotypes went a long way to speak to the nation at how they should view black people. And the reason why it's a little bit different than movies is in movies you go pay mm-hmm. money. Right. It's an event that you go watch and see. Yep. Right? Here, this is coming into your home free yeah, yeah. every single week. Yeah. The impact of television inside the home at painting black people in a negative light mm. was huge. I um, never thought of that. Wow. Let, me, let me talk a little bit about when television really came out. Mm-hmm. Largely, it was in the 40s. Okay. Um, hit shows like Hopalong Cassidy, Howdy Doody, Jackson and Jill, The Lone Ranger. White Western vibes. You catching the vibe there, yeah. right? Um, that was the image they wanted to portray of what the all-American person looked like, mm-hmm. right? It wasn't until 1951 that we see the first black television program with the show Amos and Andy. It was called the Amos and Andy Show. It starred Tim Moore and Spencer Williams. Now, Amos and Andy had been a radio program for years where two white men played black men, spoke with an accent. Mm. They were intentionally negatively stereotyping black men as lazy, lazy, stupid, and uneducated imbeciles is Mm -hmm. basically what they were doing. Right now, Moore and Williams were black men, but the stereotypes didn't stop just because they went to television. Television. The, the vibe of that show stayed the same. In fact, it was so insulting. Amos and Andy was so insulting that the NAACP decided to boycott the sponsors of the show in order to get it pulled off the air. Wow. And eventually it was pulled off the air because hmm. they, they believed it to just be so insulting. Right. Um, and damaging Man. to the black identity. Yeah. And, and so they, they yanked it off the air. And so really from the early 50s until... About 20 years later, there was no real black representation of the life and the struggles that African-Americans were going through. So very similar to movies. Yeah, Yeah. very similar. Um, Now, as I mentioned at the top, the civil rights movement Mm -hmm. came in the 60s. Yep. And it changed a great deal about what came on television. Mm. A great deal about what the television industry started to push for. And it's... It's that time period that we finally get the black sitcoms that today are still beloved by the black community. Yep. And thank God, still beloved by the white community. Oh, yeah. So this is where our game gets started. Here we go. So if you're listening along with us, here's what I've got. I'm going to go through some 70s shows, some 80s shows, some 90s shows. Um, These formidable years where television was pushing in the right direction in a major way. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of describe the show for you, and then Mm -hmm. we're going to stop. We're going to play the theme song back when every show had a theme song. That's right. We're going to play the the theme song and let you at home or in your car or on your walk guess what the show is, and then we'll give you the answer, obviously, and help you do it. So And tally up your points because they will not matter at all. Yes, yes. You get 5,000 points for each right answer. There you go. Each wrong answer is a minus 17 and a half. So do do the math on that and none of it will matter. So what 
what I want to do is I, I kind of want to talk about the first black television show mm-hmm. that was a hit. It was in 1972. It was a show about a cantankerous 65-year-old black widowed junk dealer living in the Los Angeles neighborhood. He lived with his son who had moved there. It starred Red Fox, Damon Williams, and it hit homes of millions of Americans. Can you guess what this television show is? If you haven't guessed it yet, you have three. You're not going to get it. Two, one. It is Sanford and Son. Sanford and Son. That is. What's crazy about Sanford and Son that I love so much is is I love going back and watching some of the episodes. But what's crazy about it is you get some best like one liners from him. Uh-huh. You know, anytime anything happened that was bad, he'd grab his heart yeah. and he would talk about this is the big one. I'm coming home. I'm coming <laughs> home. And just, oh, man, stuff like that. Now, now some people kind of push back on Sanford and Son because they say that the main character that Red was Fox plays kind of character. was still kind of a character, uh, a caricature and yeah. was um still kind of played uh, kind of a stupid role. Right. What's interesting, though, and I I think this was done on purpose. I've actually read about the show a lot, but Mm -hmm. is that they made the white characters more of a caricature than Red Fox was. Yeah. And so I think that was the... The, the style of the show and they did it on purpose. Now, if mm-hmm. they only care, you know, if they only made him a caricature and nobody else, and that would be a problem. Right. But they made all of the people on that show caricatures yep. and it was the white people that ended up looking, yeah. you know, the most foolish <laughs> in the show. Um, so For hopefully <laughs> if you got that right, give yourself 5,000 points. If you got it wrong, subtract 17 and a half points. So you could be at a negative 17 and a half points right now. Don't um, do their math. Don't do it. Well, I'm, that's the that's, end. That's the, last, that's the that's end the of the math I'm going to do because I, I can't do it. Now, two years later, so remember, you got the civil rights movement mm-hmm. spurring change all across America. This change resulted in all these shows coming out in the 70s. Mm-hmm. So you have Sanford and Son. Yep. Two years later, 1974, a show about a poor black family trying to make the best of things in, the, in a housing project um, in Chicago. This show hits the air. It stars, uh, it, it, what's cool about it, it had a huge ensemble black cast. It mm-hmm. starred Esther Roll, John Amos, Jimmy Walker. Yeah. And this show would go down to live in television history. Here we go. You should have already got it. <laughs> we'll give you three more seconds. <laughs> and... You should have already got it. Good times. Keeping your head above water. Good times. And what year was that? 1974. Yeah, so still still a little bit before my time. I, I saw 1974. a few episodes of stuff, but I haven't. Yeah. And and of course, you know, like the, the most famous line from that whole thing is when Jimmy Walker yells, Dino my. Yeah. You know, oh, <laughs> yeah, I definitely know that. Classic. Yeah. Now, one year after Good Times aired, mm. another huge ensemble cast show hit the airwaves as well. Mm -hmm. This time, though, not a poor black family in Chicago projects, but a newly rich black family who moves into a deluxe apartment in Manhattan, and we follow their relationships 
with their fellow tenants. Starring Sherman Hemsley and Isabel St- uh, Sanford, this show garnered critical acclaim. It was huge. Can you guess what it is? Mm-hmm. Now Man, they have such great theme songs. <laughs> they do. The theme songs are so awesome. The Jeffersons. Yeah. Uh, man, Sherman. Still before my time, but I went Sherman Hemsley. Yeah. Is one of the funniest dudes ever. Absolutely. Even yeah. when he played, he oh, played yeah. uh, one of the judges on uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Yeah. The dude is just hilarious and oh his gosh. dynamic with his wife on that show was just like nothing else man the jeffersons Love it. and for those of you who don't know the jeffersons was actually a spinoff of all in the family yeah and um which was also a huge hit in mm-hmm. in the 70s what was really cool about shows like good times the jeffersons what's happening was another mm-hmm. really popular show in the 70s um these were ensemble cast yeah right right so it wasn't just one character or or two characters, uh, um, you know, in a, in the midst of a big white cast, right? Um, or even one or two characters playing a lead. This was an ensemble cast of mm-hmm. six to eight people that the whole show was just designed around. Yeah, yeah. And so that made the '70s really special because we had never seen anything yeah. like it. And mm. I want to mention one more show that popped on in the '70s: uh-huh. Soul Train. Oh yeah, yeah. Soul Train. Yeah. Now that's not a sitcom. But not a sitcom. It's, it's not dope, a. Uh, it's not a narrative story, at all. Yeah. Um, it is. It basically was. We're gonna play music, and we're gonna have these black people dance. Yeah. And but what it did is it it put black style. Yeah. In the forefront. It so did. the way that black people dressed, the way that black women did their hair, the way mm-hmm. it put that at the forefront. Right. Um, like this is cool and their talent. Yeah. And their talent. Yeah. That, Cause I mean, yeah. You, Cause they would have see that and you're just like, wow, they would have artists on, <laughs> yeah. right. They would have artists that would come black yeah. artists that would come and perform. Yep. And, and so what it did is it made black culture cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to people like this. Mm-hmm. Oh man. I, yeah. you know, instead of it being other, it yeah. was, oh, well, this, it's celebrated. It. Yes. It's celebrated. That's, it's celebrated. That's, that's a great word. And then, um, I want to talk about a miniseries in the 70s. Okay. The game show has to stop just for a minute. Okay. Um, but I want to talk about a, a miniseries that aired in the 70s that changed people's lives. Mm. Came on ABC in 1977. The title of it was Roots. Mm-hmm. It was based on true events, Man. and it starred LeVar Burton, the reading rainbow guy. Yeah. Um, he was also in... Star Trek, The Next oh, yeah. Generation. Yeah, yeah. But um, he played Kunta Kinte, yeah. an African man who was kidnapped from his home in Africa and brought to the United States as a slave. And it just follows his life. Yeah. Um, that was the first time that a lot of people saw, saw yeah. a reenactment of what slavery did to somebody. Yeah. The story of being taken from your home. Yeah, and it's raw. And, and it's real, yeah. Most people had never seen anything like that. Mm-hmm. Certainly no, most white people. Yeah. And so when this aired and a year before I was born and it, it was actually watched, it rocked people's lives. Yeah. Um, and this miniseries was huge. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was watched mm-hmm. massively. It received 37 Emmy nominations. Hmm. It won nine. Wow. It won a Golden Globe, a Peabody Award, 
it received unprecedented Nielsen ratings Mm -hmm. for the finale. To this day, it holds the record as the third highest rated episode of any type of television series and the second most watched overall series finale in U.S. television history behind MASH. Mm -hmm. The 80s, though, had a dip. Mm -hmm. So we had this on the heels of the civil rights movement, an explosion Mm. of black television shows. And then the 80s dipped a little bit. I have my theories as to why. I will not say them because they're my opinions. <laughs> if you would like to know, I can speak to you one on one about that. Hit us up, social media. But um, yes, or you can hit us up on social media. I have my opinions about that. But we did see a dip in the 80s of black television. Mm-hmm. There was one that was huge, the hugest of shows during this time. An upper-class black family of six set in the Brooklyn Heights. The father was a doctor. The mm-hmm. mother was an attorney. And while the show was a comedy, no doubt, mm-hmm. tons of laughs, it delved into some more serious topics that sometimes the previous show had left out. Mm-hmm. This kind of dug its heels into that. Um, it became one of the greatest shows of all time. Can you guess what it is? There's no words to this. So if you haven't already gotten it, there's a good chance you will not. Three seconds, two, and one. It was The Cosby Cosby Show. Show. Now, here's how big The Cosby Show was. The Cosby Show spent five consecutive seasons as the number one rated show on television. Hmm. There is only one other show that did that um, in the history of the Nielsen ratings, and that was All in the Family. Hmm. It spent all eight of its seasons in the top 20. Yeah, this, this show was huge. Wildly successful. Um, and what is so tragic is because of what Bill Cosby mm-hmm. ha- was doing in his personal life at the time and what he was doing after that and right. the, the tragedy that he perpetrated on people and the abuse he perpetrated on people. Right. Um, it kind of has destroyed some of the... The legacy. The legacy of that show. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to mention it because it was huge yeah um in the 80s and and without it you don't have black television in the 80s Mm -hmm. being really represented at all yeah wow now there was a spinoff of the cosby show Mm. i don't know if people know this um there was a spinoff of the cosby show it became very popular at the end of the 80s as well in fact this show when when People who study television, like that's their job to Mm -hmm. write articles and journals about television. They say that this show really was a bridge between old black television and new black television. The vibe changed with this show. The vibe that you got with the old black television and the vibe that you're going to get with new black television needed a bridge. This Cosby spinoff was, in fact, the bridge. It showed... A group of students at a historically black university and their day-to-day challenges of surviving college. It follows Denise Huxtable, who was a character on The Cosby Show, uh, and her peers as they deal with social issues, romance, and friendship. I know my parents loved me. Stand there high. 
Mike, Mike, I might check. You should have got it with a different world. It's a different world. Says that. Now, uh, I loved, loved Different World. That was your jam. I liked the Cosby show. Mm -hmm. Loved Different World. Mm -hmm. Loved Dwayne Wayne. Um, Thought he was hilarious. Um, I do not love Dwayne Wade. No, we do not love Dwayne Wade. I mean, as a human being, yes. Yeah. Uh, Image bearer, absolutely. But as a Miami Heat player. Dallas Maverick fan. No. Here, uh, yeah. But Dwayne, it always goes back to basketball Still somehow. Salty. But Dwayne <laughs> Wayne loved his character. And yeah. this was a bridge show. It really mm-hmm. did. It bridged the 80s and the 70s to what was going to come in the 90s. And the 90s was an explosion. See, now that was my jam. It was an explosion of black television. Now, That's here's, my time. here's what's really interesting. If you, if you look what was happening socially... Hip hop and the rap scene yep. went mainstream. Yep. That impacted black television. Oh, yeah. And so what you saw was you had black television and the rise of hip hop yep. both blowing up in the 90s together. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that, like you were saying with uh, the uh, Soul Train, stuff like that, like it yeah. became cool. Like this, right. this whole everything about the culture. Yeah started being yeah. elevated and, and seen right. as uh, just again, going back to basketball, awesome. everyone wanted to wear their jerseys like, yep. like UNLV and mm-hmm. like Michigan and the fab five, mm-hmm. the, the jerseys started getting baggier. Right. Um, Jordan drops in the scene. Yep. Right. So yep. you, you have all of this happening and it's all kind of rising at the same time with the same vibe. Yep. Um, this brings, hit TV shows. Mm-hmm. None yes, more, does. none more surprising than the one I'm fixing to tell you about mm. started in 1991. Yeah. My and the jam. reason why it was so surprising is because a young black rapper mm-hmm. from Philly was the star of it. If you don't already know, I, I can't help you. I don't think there is a theme song <sighs> that is more beloved so and sung. So fire. And known by people, yeah. Than this theme song. Oh yeah. It has a second verse, by the way. Oh yeah. YouTube it. Yeah. Um, Will Smith blew up. Mm-hmm. Will Smith blew up. Yep. It's like he became an overnight star. Yeah. I mean, he was known. Yeah. Fresh Prince, but you know, the Fresh Prince, DJ hip-hop. Jazzy Jeff, hip-hop. and the Fresh he Prince, was, he was right? Known. Yeah. yeah. Uh, parents just don't understand and stuff like. Yeah. But this blew up. Yeah. And he became a huge star. Mm-hmm. What's crazy is how good his cast was around him. Oh, yeah. Like, they, they were not to be outdone. Every single one of them. James Avery, Karen Ooh. Parsons, Alfonso Ribeira, Tatiana Ali, mm-hmm. Joseph Marcel played Jeffrey. Yep. Or as Will called him, G. G. Um, <laughs> it was a huge show. Ah, so good. 
a, a show that literally followed on the hills of Fresh Prince mm -hmm. because it came on at 7.30 mm. uh, Central Time on NBC on Monday nights. It was anchored by a black comedian that was well-known in like the stand-up comedy world. Right. But to put him on TV as the star, that was a pretty risky, bold move. Yeah. yeah. But it really paid off as this show blew up. <laughs> Dude is funny. See, Fresh Prince and, and this one. I Fresh mean, Prince. You, those are just my and Martin yeah. and the next one too. But yeah. that, that's because I was born in the, you know, eighty-nine. Now, now you gotta let it finish. Just, just. Let me tell you a little bit about what happened to me. What would happen to me on Monday nights? On Monday nights in the nineties, I would come home from basketball practice or working out, you know, whatever, I'd come home. My mom would have Monday night Bible studies mm -hmm. in our living room. So we kids had to get our food and go upstairs, right? So I'd get my food. All the ladies would bring food. So I always loved Monday nights because had all these different kinds of food I got to eat. So I'd get, I'd get a big old plate full of food, and I'd go upstairs. 7 o'clock, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. 7.30, Martin, every Monday night. <laughs> Monday night football came on after that right? Um, on ABC. So I, I, that was my, my routine. Yeah. Throughout high school on Monday nights. Yeah. And uh, man, Fresh Prince routine. of Bel-Air and Martin, the impact those shows had on middle-class white kid. Yeah. Uh, man, I just loved it. Yeah. Absolutely loved it. Now, SNL, Saturday Night Live, had been around for years, uh, which is a sketch comedy show. Mm -hmm. uh, and they, they pr really premiered and promoted some hilarious black people. Oh, yeah. Um, that's where uh, Eddie Murphy, you know, he was on there for oh, yeah. a year. They 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 promoted. Um, you had not Jamie Foxx, but Chris Rock. Chris he was Rock, on yeah. SNL. Uh, so Tucker a lot later, of I think yeah, a lot that. of funny black people on SNL. But there was a new sketch comedy show that hit the airwaves in the nineties. The vast majority of the cast was black. Mm -hmm. The sketches were written to reflect black culture. It was created by Keenan Ivory Wayans, and most of its cast would go on to be huge stars. Jamie Foxx, Damon Wayans, David Allen Greer, just to name a few. In Living Color. Now, In Living Color was not a... It was a sketch comedy show. It wasn't, you know... A sitcom. Uh, a sitcom or a narrative in any way. But it had a huge impact. And the reason why you know it had a huge impact is because all these people that became stars, I listened to right. them all ago, right? Jamie Foxx. Yeah, yeah. Damon Wayans. David Allen Greer. You know there was a white man on that show that ended up getting huge. Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. That's crazy. The, the first season of In Living Color, um, his name actually on the credits was James Carey because he was a stand-up <laughs> yeah. comedian. Nobody knew who he no was, knew. Yeah. but he blew up because of In Living Color. So you know a show is popular when everybody on the show goes on to be huge stars. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. Um, start created by yeah. Keenan Ivory Wayans. Wow. Genius. And, of course, the Wayans brothers, you know, Damon and Marlon. Oh, yeah. It just it, it blew up. And, and so what happened in the 90s cannot be mm -hmm. – Overstated. Right. I, I cannot express enough. 70s and 90s mm -hmm. changed the game. Man. Changed the game. Yeah. Um, thank God for the Cosby show and a different world in the 80s. Yeah. 
that kept it going. Right. But the seventies and the nineties are when the blowups happen. Like I'm that's, and I'm guessing those blowups are responsible for, for even the films, right? The movies that, that now are portraying black people differently. Yeah. Those kind of shows probably paved the way for that. Yeah. Yeah, it paved the way and, into the, and, and the 2000s. TV shows, so uh, it all yeah. probably went together. And, yeah, yeah, it was all interconnected for sure. And, yeah. and it, it paved the way into the 2000s. Yeah. I, I mean, the shows in the 2000s, it's, mm-hmm. it's too many to even name. I mean, yep. you've got like My Wife and Kids starring Damon Wayans. you got the Bernie Mac show. Uh, yeah, Girlfriends. Everybody hates Chris, Chris yeah, with yeah, Chris yeah. Rock. Uh, That's So Raven. That Possib- had Raven oh, yeah, Simone yeah, yeah. from um, The Cosby Show. House Tyler, of Pain. Oh, Tyler Perry's House of Pain. Um, th- these shows, Wanda Psych Show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the list could just go on and on and on. Right. Um, and here's what's crazy. We haven't even mentioned what happens in the last 20 years with cable television and streaming services. Oh, yeah. So we, what we've done is we've, we sketched network television, mm-hmm. 70s, 80s, 90s. Mm-hmm. But all of that led to what's happening now yeah. with... Streaming services. What what you talked about with making sure we get black representation on Netflix yeah, properly yeah. with movies. Right. It, it the streaming services and the cable. We haven't even mentioned all those shows yeah. and the impact that it had. Um, but I want to mention one more show. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a show that is ending this year, mm-hmm. and I want everybody to watch it. I'm telling you, you will learn and you will laugh. You got a theme song for it. I don't have a theme song for Blackish, yeah. but that is the show. It is one yeah. of my favorite shows of all time. It stars Anthony Anderson, Tracy mm-hmm. Ellis Ross, by the way, who is Diana Ross's daughter. Um, and here's what I love about this show. Not only is it just hilarious, but it speaks to black issues like very few sitcoms do because it mm-hmm. doesn't put it kind of under the radar in right. the storyline. Yeah. It is front and center. It is front and center. In the yeah. storyline. And then mm-hmm. he narrates over the show, Anthony Anderson does. Mm-hmm. So he'll narr- narrate over the show and give you history, yeah. give you social commentary. Right. And uh, I have just benefited greatly. I can truly say that I have learned so much from Blackish and I am um, very sad to see it go off the air, but yeah. we got 8 seasons that I can always go back and Rewatch and maybe a spinoff in the future. Learn well, they've already had spinoffs. Uh, they had Grownish with the daughter, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. And I don't think that was very good. Uh, okay. Um, but then they had Mixedish where they went back and looked at I've heard of Mixedish, what yeah. uh, and Mixedish is the first season anyway was hilarious. And I don't know what they got plans for next, but um, man, I just love Blackish so much. And so, yeah, the, the evolution of black actors in the entertainment and television industry. Um, has been a, a sight to see. Yeah. I mean, it has just been incredible. Mm-hmm. The the list of black groundbreaking shows is endless. The the actors who went from playing stereotypical blackface characters and being portrayed as servants and ignorant and stupid mm-hmm. to reintroducing black culture into the mainstream, to reintroducing and, and portraying um, black culture in the history of the world. Uh, the, not just television, but like you said, with movies. Yeah. Um, and yes, is there room for improve it, improvement in the film and television industry? Always. Of course. Yeah. Of course there is. Yeah. Um, Hollywood needs to keep changing, mm-hmm. and we need to keep pushing that they change, and mm-hmm. then supporting films when they do change. Right. Right? Um, 
but we've got to stop during Black History Month and just applaud yeah. the men and the women and the networks mm -hmm. and the the movie companies that have played a role in the change that we've seen so far. Yeah, and the overcoming adversity yeah. from that, you know, not being represented to now being represented and, and fighting to be represented properly. Yeah. And, and yeah. so it's just, yeah. And I, and I think one of the things that you want to do in Black History Month is you want to look back and see the things that weren't good. Mm -hmm. But Black History Month is a celebration of the things that have gone right. Facts. And the perseverance of black people yes. and how, they've, how they have pushed to change things. And I'm so glad we did this episode because I yeah. want people to have a better grasp and a better understanding of, of what that the impact that these men and women have had yeah. in changing American culture and changing the game yeah. um, and really changing the way that people look at history yeah. for sure. And uh, we want to continue to do this. And yeah. so we want you to like, share, subscribe. We want to can, you know, do just to keep pushing this podcast. And then hopefully next week, Lord willing, Lord wheeling, wheeling, Lord yeah, another word. willing, <laughs> we will, uh, <laughs> we'll talk about, Racial diversity and representation in music, and I'm stoked about. And that. I am sure you are. So until we uh, uh, until we see you next time, or you listen to us next time, we have been the Outsiders Podcast. Tally up your points again. Tally up your points. Five thousand for correct answers. Seventeen and a half points off for bad answers. Sorry.